Welcome to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast. My name's Dr. Andrew Trasilla from NHS Somerset, and I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Dr. Peter Bagshaw, GP and NHS Somerset Mental Health Lead. And we're really pleased to welcome today Dr. Becca Hall, who's another GP in Somerset, and our topic is singing for health. Becca, a very warm welcome to you. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. It's really nice to do this rather unexpectedly. Um, I'm a GP in um, Glastonbury. I've been there 18 months and before then I was in Froome for about 20 years. And um, I haven't spoken on this subject before. So I'm coming from a place of experience as a keen singer. I've been a choral singer pretty much all my life. Um, When I was at university, I had a choral scholarship and then I've sort of intermittently dipped into singing and last week I and, and I've and I've recently joined a choir in Wales which has become really the focus of my week the, the, the it's a really really positive um feature of my week and frankly it keeps me doing my job far better than if I wasn't singing in the choir so um I'm going um so I sent a little um, missive round last week to to encourage other other GP, other GPs and singers to maybe consider consider auditioning for a choir, and this is the result. Fantastic! And what benefits do you get from singing? How does it how does it help you? Do you think day to day? And do you have to be a, a choral scholar to be able to to get those benefits? Do you have to be really good, or can anyone join in? Uh, um, the marvelous thing about singing is that it's an innate part of being a human being. And so we can all, we can, we should all be making the most of all the resources we have at our fingertips. And those are our lungs and our voice box. And it it can be a marvellous thing in so many ways for for everybody. So I think, I mean, I think it is available to all of us, but we, we, there are so many different ways that we can use our ability to sing. You don't even have to join other people singing, but the extra benefits from a sort of health and well-being perspective of joining other people in a choir are uh, I mean, there are so many um, from being part of the community um, to m- making the music together and creating create be, creating something together. Um, my own experience is, is of, um, oh yes, um, uh, my own experience is, is of singing in a lot of um, choir and church singing. Um, so that that's where I know, which is a, it's quite a formal level of choir singing, which has other advantages as, as well. And we always like to do a little bit about the science behind these things, don't we, Andrew? So um, I was looking up that singing uh, releases oxytocin. It simulates the vagus nerve, parasympathetic nerve uh, system, and it also releases endorphins. So there is a there is a science, there's a genuine physiology behind singing, isn't there? Absolutely. I mean, singing, the, the act of singing, we are encouraged to stand up to sing and we are encouraged to take a breath before. So we plan a deep breath before we sing and that in itself is it stimulates the, the vagus nerve um, and allows us to become more relaxed and so that in itself makes you feel good um i don't know where the oxyto- how the oxytocin gets released do you no no i've just seen evidence <laughs> that it does but uh, what the mechanism is andrew you're you're our expert on all things well, I, I have a thought and becca it's so good that you've mentioned posture because that's so important because our postures if we're hunched and crunched up, everything's in flexion. That's a fear posture, a 
hideaway posture. If we're standing up tall and strong, that's an open posture. That's a parasympathetic, confident posture. And somebody said to me many years ago that what singing does in the lungs is it produces sound, obviously, but these are harmonious sounds. These are resonant sounds. And sometimes if you hold your chest when you're singing, you can feel that vibration. And I know as doctors, we used to learn years ago to to test for something called tactile vocal fremitus. Did you, was that still in when you trained? Um, yes. <laughs> I don't know whether they do it any these days, but we can hear, we can feel that vibration of our lungs if we put our hands on our rib cage. And someone said to me, that singing produces harmonious patterns, harmonious um, sound waves in the chest cavity that caress and massage the heart. And I don't know what the scientific basis for that is, but it sounds good to me. It sounds lovely, doesn't it? And but I think I think also it, actually, if you if you sing a mar, you know, if you're part of a marvelous um, harmonic system singing, then actually you get all kinds of resonances in the whole body, not just the lungs and caressing the heart. But I think you you can fe- you feel it in your whole body. And 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 the other thing I was just thinking about then when you were describing that is that that actually when we breathe when we breathe in and and if we breathe if we're breathing well and we've got a good leader who's explaining how to breathe well which is often part of the singing training and the choral training um it, the, you're breathing absolutely using your diaphragm it's not a sort of um, hunched up hunched up quick breath using your shoulders it's very it's very relaxed and like you say in a very open posture and I've really noticed because I'm singing in two choirs at the moment and, um, and one of them we sit in rows um, and in front of a conductor and the other one is the one at the cathedral where we sit opposite each other in an antiphonal position um, standing in the song school which is where the choristers practice and the power of standing instead of sitting is is I mean it's so much it feels so much better but also the experience of standing opposite each other so we can see each other is very very positive as well. This sounds very interesting and I know we're talking about formal singing at the moment uh, and it's not as you said earlier it's not exclusive it's it's an egalitarian everybody can sing and we'll come back to that if we may but but is there a different experience from singing in your own home or in the bath or in in the in a small room to rehearsing in a particular room to actually being having having the privilege of singing let's say in a cathedral is there a difference in in resonance and uh, of what's happening around you what is the experience like of singing in a cathedral or a, a grand space i mean it's incredible singing in a cathedral I mean, every there are loads of other senses at work when you're singing in a cathedral, and loads of, and the uh, the sort of the power of the beauty, not only of sound but of visual beauty as well. And I think that that's really, um, really powerful, and 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 also being maybe part of also what we do is part is part, we do services in the cathedral, so we're part of um, a bigger thing, um, which is which is and which allows us to, those of us who maybe don't reflect as as much as some other people, allows us moments of reflection, which is a really, another really positive um, thing about some choirs. That's really interesting that you mention uh, reflection. Our, our producer just reminded us that the acoustics of the space do change the sound. But when we when we have in 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 an, cathedrals are old buildings. A lot of old churches are, are old buildings, and they seem to have been built as sound chambers where you get a, an echo and a resonance that just sometimes goes on and on and on, and seems to amplify and and 
make up make something special uh, happen and and one one can speculate as why that might happen or how how the ancient builders knew how to do it but it certainly is an experience it's it can be very powerful to hear the dynamics uh, so to hear, hear the acoustics and and what's going on it is amazing to to speculate as to how the old build the builders of these cathedrals knew how how to make a good acoustic when it's very unlikely that they would even be alive from the beginning of the inception of the building to when it actually was finished and acoustically finished. If it doesn't sound too highbrow, there is a there is an area uh, of of study called sacred geometry, which uh, goes back to Pythagorean um, and uh, tones uh, and, and numbers. And of course, all music is built on ratios and numbers. Uh, an octave, the uh, an, a middle C is two hundred and fifty six. Hertz would it be, and then uh, C above that would be five hundred and twelve, and there are various ratios in in the middle. So they are natural ratios, one to three, or three to five, or or, or four to six. And it is said that a lot of buildings, older buildings, are built on something called sacred geometry, which uses those ratios and uses the golden mean, which is a very elusive number, uh, and it's found in sunflower progressions. It's the Fibonacci ratio, uh, and it's found as ammonites have their spiral uh, and snail shells have their spiral. And I think, Peter, please correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's root five minus one over two, but I'm not absolutely (laughs) sure about that. (laughs) Which is reductive answer. Root five minus one over two. That's amazing. Yes. Or oh, Peter. I think I'd better bring us back down to earth, hadn't I? <laughs> um, yes, so, Becca, you've you've talked about the benefits of, of singing and even singing by ourselves in the shower can be great. But not everybody will want to be or able be able to be in a cathedral. What, what do you see as the additional benefits of singing in a choir in a group of other people? And I know there are a lot of um, singing groups out there now, aren't there, that don't require us to be great singers. I think um, it, uh, choirs are amazing because they're really they're really deeply supportive of each other. Um, you know, when we when you join a choir, you do become friends very quickly. And I think opening up one's mouth and beside someone else and allowing the sound to come up is is quite a sort of vulnerable moment, especially if you're not super confident. But it, but once you've done it and you've done it with the person beside you, then you have a, a new bond and you're bonding over the music and you're creating something big together. So I think there's a, there's a lovely a lovely experience of making music with other people. Um, and it and it being in a choir, you really have to listen. You have to really um, you're you're required to communicate in the sense of listening and also making a sound, which is which is a very positive thing. I mean, most choirs uh, have a quite a, quite a big social life attached to them, um, which is, you know, um, all kinds of things. Uh, traditionally, I think I think singing started, um, you know, folk singing started off in pubs. So the singer, the, uh, drinking came first, and then the singing came after, um, and that's where most singing came from. And then there's this highbrow religious singing, which is also associated with alcohol in the in some of the services. <laughs> And certainly after the services. Interesting. So I suppose a big question for me is um, some of our listeners may be thinking, this sounds really interesting, but don't you have to read music to be able to sing? And so what would you say to that? Uh, uh, you certainly don't have to read music to sing. Um, music 
um, people who can read music can, uh, you know, can can sing music that was written a long, long time ago. And so they have a, a repertoire that they can access because they can read music. And generally, the repertoire that choirs who don't read music is slightly different. And it's um, it's more part of the oral tradition where people have learned from hearing hearing music. And so it's it's a bit more flexible. There's It's less rigid. Um, and 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 they and they are taught taught their part by listening to well these days often they've taught their part by listening to um, recordings on that the choir provide or YouTube um, but but in the in the rehearsals it'll they'll be they'll be their part will be given to them by their leader. Thank you. And thinking about those big big sort of uh, gatherings of pe- where people learn to sing, um, sports, football stadiums. Um, uh, and other sports, there are often quite a lot of singing. Can anybody, can I, can you or Peter remember any of the songs that uh, are sung? Uh, You'll never walk alone is one, is it? Um, Abide with me. Um, uh, swing singing, low, sweet chariot, which we can't probably sing here. Sweet Caroline. <laughs> yes, sweet Caroline, absolutely. Ole, 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 And you know what? What you're describing is something that we've had described in these podcasts a lot, which is that being part of something bigger, being part of a, a bigger collective group or adding our, our voice literally and metaphorically uh, to the crowd, it is a very, very lovely feeling, isn't it? Whether it's, it's a very lovely feeling. Or, mm. Yeah, I have um, above my desk at work, I have the five ways to well-being pinned up there. And then when I'm suggesting, when we're talking through what what somebody might like to consider doing, we see if it tick, you know, how many boxes in the the well-being box it ticks, and I, and singing ticks, I think four out of five. It's not. I mean, if you can sing outside in nature, then you get the fifth. But it, it's being part of a community. It's kind of doing something that's slightly more for, for other people as well, rather than just focusing on yourself. I can't remember what all the other ways are. Andrew, you've got these at your fingertips. I know. <laughs> uh, connect, give, yes. take notice. Um, um, be active, and there is a fifth, and I forgot which it is. I think we've certainly so no. ticks no. all of those boxes, doesn't no. it? It ticks many of those boxes. But I'd like the be what was the one be be, be, be active and learn. But the one was the one before that one. Uh, tick. Uh, sorry, take notice. Uh, give. Take notice. Yes, taking notice is, is you know taking notice from a sound point of view of really listening to what people are doing and trying to make your voice blend in with others. Uh, yes, and being active, perhaps, if you're standing up and you're adding a bit, that's probably the one it doesn't take. So let's turn to the nuts and bolts. We've convinced people that singing is a wonderful thing and that singing in a group is probably even more wonderful. So how do people get involved if they're a bit nervous, not been involved in choirs before, a bit shy about approaching people? What What resources are out there that people can join? I go straight to the Health Connections Mendit website. And there will be some, I think there are some choirs on there. Um, there are certainly choirs for people with dementia locally. We know about them. Yeah, is that the singing for the singing for the brain? Um, yes. Amongst others. Um, and uh, what they might say is join singing for the brain to do fun vocal warm-ups and sing through a v- wide variety of familiar and new songs. Express yourself, feel positive and make new friends, which... And 100% of people who go along to singing for the brain sessions say they've improved their life in some way. This is 
this is not is it going to put the pharmaceutical industry out of business i don't think so but uh, it's great be nice <laughs> it's, great, isn't it? it's great yeah um they, i mean most um to, in the past it was a lot there was a lot of um, singing like we've like described in pubs and in church um, but now it's much broader, really. And there's community choirs where people don't have to read music happening all over the place. And, and COVID has been a quite challenging for singing. And, and I mean, several of them have survived by doing stuff online, as we know. Um, but I, but there, there's definitely a sign that they're, they're coming back to life now. You mentioned COVID, and it's something I've sadly got a personal interest in, having long COVID myself. Uh, I know you've also gotten interested in long COVID and the benefits of singing for that, haven't you? Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Well, this is interesting, isn't it? Because um, um, we talked, we mentioned, we, we touched briefly on the parasympathetic nervous system earlier, and uh, I think I think a lot a lot of the symptoms that people with long COVID experience are parasympathetically related and vagal nerve related, and singing can certainly help with that, and it can help with your breathing. We know that we pe- breathing problems are a feature of long COVID. Now, I think a lot of people listening won't know what parasympathetically driven means. So can you just unpack that uh, in, in everyday language for us, please, Becca? The parasympathetic system is the, the nervous system that controls our homeostasis. It keeps us the right temperature our heart going at the right rate and our breathing at the right rate and probably things that I have made it probably helps with um, how we sleep and our um, diurnal, very, um, diurnal cycle. Maybe you can fill me in with some other things that it does. Yeah, I think you've done, done it very rightly. <laughs> Parasympathetic is rest, digest, chill, repair, uh, and, uh, and nurture and tend and befriend. Whereas sympathetic, uh, which which is the alert action mechanism is fight and flight uh, or curiosity and drive. So parasympathetic, absolutely right. Very useful for us. And we live in a frenetic, busy, buzzing world where an awful lot of people are buzzing around on sympathetic drive all the time and feeling feeling a little bit stressed sometimes. And we haven't actually said the word relax, have we, which we probably should have said quite a few minutes ago in this conversation, because really what we're talking about is is relaxing and and also entering a state of great focus and focusing on the singing and the making of music rather than all the other things that are going on. And by focusing on that, that causes a state of relaxation. And I wouldn't want to give the impression that we're saying that long COVID is somehow in the mind and we need to relax. It's not. It's a physical thing, isn't it? There seem to be these long-term neurological damages from them. And, and one is to the, the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. So are you saying that seeing can actually help to re-regulate those? I think it can be part of that. I think um, people with long COVID have got quite a lot going on. Um, they've got the physical effects of COVID, which now we know is a vasculopathy, you know, inflammation um, in the, the vasculature, especially the small vessels in various parts of the body. And um, there's been so much doubt and misinformation about it that these poor people have doubted themselves and pe- and many other people have doubted them. And so the, the the impact is not only the physical impact and, and what ensues from that, but the, the fact that they haven't really been heard. And I think that that, I'm not com- sure, can't remember what your question was, but I think that, that that is very much part of the experience of having long COVID at the moment. 
And uh, I've got long COVID heart failure, which uh, so I know all about the, the physical effects and the breathing effects. You mentioned vasculopathy. And again, we better unpack that medical term, haven't we? So there's talk about um, possibly microclots causing some of the symptoms of long COVID, small clots in the in the small blood vessels. Is that what you're referring to? When you use the term, well, yes, well, when yes, I think inflammation in small blood vessels and um, high and activated platelets, inflammation of the platelets, um, it certainly helps me understand symptoms when people describe their symptoms. I think of small um, blood vessels that supply nerves. I think of the small blood vessels that supply um, the peripheral part of the lungs, and also the bits and also parts of the brain, and that helps me understand how why COVID affects so many different organs um, and why the symptoms are so varied um, from person to person. Absolutely. And I'm really glad that you stressed that it is a, a physical thing because some people do feel a bit gaslighted, don't they? Um, Absolutely. With- yeah. And, and interesting, a lot of medical people feel gaslit by the medical community, which is very sad and um, really something that we should <laughs> try and change because... Um, it, it's it's having such a devastating effect on people. I would include myself in that, um, except that I I have got my my Sats monitor showing fifty five percent oxygen levels. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> goodness, you're doing very well, Peter. <laughs> not, not at the moment, I trust. I trust that was at the at the direst point, was it? That was yeah, that was at its lowest point. It's a little better now. Um, so. So getting back to how people get involved in singing, we've established that it's good for people's mental health, emotional health, for cognitive function, for their ability to think and stave off dementia and, and help with early dementia. So again, how how can people be involved? Are there, are there groups locally? Is there some central repository for people to get in touch with? I don't really I'm I'm um, I think I think I'm not really sure actually I think googling community choir Somerset would be probably where I would start off I think um I think the the, you know none of these choirs have much money and they probably often don't have a website themselves and so there'll be Facebook groups um for that kind of thing and and that exploring social media might um, produce some good results Absolutely. And there's Somerset Arts Well, uh, who are a community interest company who do uh, music projects in and around Wells. There's the Blackdown Community Choir. Uh, I have to confess, I sing with the South Petherton Combined Arts Choir. Uh, and there are a number of of, 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 of choral um, societies and choirs around. There's a community choir in Chard, I believe, thinking of ones locally to me. But you're quite right. Social media and looking uh, with a search engine, uh, other search engines are available, uh, is is appropriate because it's out there. Uh, music is there, but we don't have to belong to a choir. We can sing along to the radio. We can we can spontaneously sing. And I have to confess at this point that uh, at medical school, I lived in a hall of residence and um, people knew when I was happy because I would whistle. And so I was nicknamed Mr. Whistling. And my wife knows when I'm particularly happy because I whistle. Uh, do, I, I hope that whistling has the same benefit as singing. Maybe not quite as much. I don't know. No, I'm the same, Andrew. I used to always whistle around the through medical centre, um, and and I don't think I ever heard other people whistling. But I, you know, sometimes you can't help yourself. So, Becca, what are the most fun songs that people sing in a choir that you know of? Uh, I suppose this varies according to taste of of the genre of music you've grown up in, but. 
Do you have any favourites personally? Oh, that's so lovely. That's such a lovely question. And I and I wish I'd thought of it before we were talking. I mean, I really, I really enjoy um traditional folk music from from around the world. Um when and um the the vigor that that can make, you know, it's very invigorating stuff a lot of that. But I also well, it's not most fun. It's my, yes, I also really love really sad music. <laughs> that, it's not that, fun, but it's but, but singing sad music is a beautiful thing. That's a really interesting point that you raise. Um, because like you, I love sad music and somehow listening to sad music and uh, joining in with sad, sad music and singing sad songs can somehow make you happy. I, <laughs> I have no idea what the physiology of that is, but it it's odd, isn't it? How sad songs can actually give us joy. Well, I, I wonder if it's a simple thing as that a melody, a, a good melody in any genre g- gives you joy and singing it, being part of creating it, gives you extra joy. Because I the melody that, is a very powerful thing, but also harmony is very powerful as well. I think you're absolutely right, but I think it actually that music resonates with something in our, well, soul, if you want to call it soul, but software being uh, at some level uh, that uh, is probably electromagnetic and, and uh, invisible energy and all sorts of things that we don't necessarily know much about, but South Indian philosophy knows about Uh uh, Chinese philosophy would understand uh, acupuncture meridians and uh, flows of information, but it's a harmonising influence uh, and can help uplift us and help us reflect. And I think it helps us reflect by taking us out of our analytical brain and connecting us to the being in the now takes us away from left brain to connect left and right brain and harmony of nature, harmony of being out in nature and harmony of making music. Perhaps that's something rather important that's happening. Peter? Yes, in a more maybe down-to-earth way than than you put it, perhaps to when we hear sad songs and join in with us, we recognise that other people have experienced loss and sadness and uh, are translating that into something beautiful. Do Do you think there's anything in that, Becca? It's so evocative. It's almost hard to put into words, actually. And and sometimes I think that we don't have to explain the experience of music and singing because it it is it's fulfilling in itself without explanation. Absolutely. And uh, our feathered friends, birds, just sing for the joy of it. Uh, and they have all their various calls. And maybe maybe human song came from imitating bird song, and maybe music came from there. Who knows? <laughs> So the bottom line is music is good for us, singing is great for us, and there are lots of ways to get involved. You don't have to learn to be music, although some people are privileged to have done that and are privileged to to sing in in wonderful places. But we can sing anywhere. We can join others. Scientific research shows that it's good for the brain and good for our mood. What's to lose? Well. I think that brings us to the end. So, Becca, thank you so much for coming and joining us today. And, Peter, thank you as always. Thank you. Thank you both. It's been lovely. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast, hosted by Dr. Andrew Tresider and Dr. Peter Bagshaw. The show was created by David Seeley and was produced by Rob Hunt's Music on behalf of the Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group. 